time with Sergio and the vet is back for another week. Sergio, what's going on? Hey, yo, what's up, dude? Man, just hanging out in this uh, smoke-covered California. That's all you can do is hang out. You can't do anything else. Nope. Can't work out. Nope. Now the, safe, now the safely locked in the house. Now, the restaurants have outdoor seating, right? Is that all that's available? Yep. And all the food is smoked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I see what you did there. Yeah, there, there's, I mean, you know, there's some places that are doing a little bit here and there, but, you know, we're, we're still kind of um, cautious about opening up this stuff again, slower than some of the other states. But it makes sense because we're more populated. So, you know, <coughs> they have the bigger, we've had the bigger surges and everything like that. Speaking of which, so, did you so, hear? Yeah. Did you hear about the uh, the Sturgis um, bike rally? Uh, that the Jericho one, right? Yeah, he he played there, and uh, Smash Mouth played there, and so that. But yeah, so apparently there's something like uh, they're 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 going to attribute two hundred fifty thousand new cases to that <laughs> Sturgis rally alone. Pretty funny. I don't know, man. Well, the funny thing is. I hear this question. I, I was asked it a lot. And I hear it from other people. They say, hey, how, how did you get the virus? How did you think you got it? There's no there's no telling how the hell you got it, dude. You know, I mean, like, right. you can't, there's no way you can, you know, pinpoint it on one place. Exactly. Well, yeah, you can at least take a guess. But I just think it's, I just think it's funny. Um, I was how- disappointed. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I just think it's funny how people are looking for any excuse to, like, drop a bunch of huge numbers about this all the time, you know? Yeah, they're still trying to vilify it. I was disappointed. You know, The Rock's one of my heroes. I was just, I feel like he sold out. Did you see his his promo on the coronavirus? <laughs> no. Okay, so, well, he got it. He recovered, as I, as I would have figured. But he cut this promo, uh, this, like, deep, heartfelt promo on how it was the, hard, that's the hardest thing he's ever had to go through in his life. First of all, I don't think he ever went to the hospital. If he did, he probably would have done an Instagram live video. They would have they would have really pushed pushed that gimmick if the rocks in the hospital just to vilify the coronavirus. But dude, there's no way that's the hard that's the hardest thing he's ever been through. Even if he even had any symptoms, I don't I don't know what he had, but give me a break, dude. Like AJ Styles had it, barely had any symptoms. Same thing for Rusev. I had it pretty bad. Uh, but I wouldn't even say that's the hardest thing I ever been through this is you know i don't know i feel like the rock sold out he's uh you know someone paid him to to cut that promo or something well who's gonna pay the rock like like what what what, whose money does he need to make up lies about something yeah i don't i don't know man he was encouraged somehow that's my own theory obviously so i mean well, hey, maybe it really was the hardest thing that The Rock ever went through. Everybody's different, Sergio. Come on. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That that giant stack of pancakes he showed himself eating all those years ago, you know, that might have been one of the hardest things he had to go through at that time. You know, there was a lot of pancakes on that stack. Years ago, he does it every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but the, fa- the, the picture first famously showed up years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, hey. I didn't. I didn't watch his video. You know, I don't. I don't really follow The Rock too much. I can't escape The Rock. That's why I don't go out of my way to follow him. So, um, yeah. you know, another funny thing. Just while we're talking about The Rock, I remember from reading in his book 
um, where he was talking about how poor he was, you know, like right mm-hmm. at, like after he got out of, uh, or like either it was either before he got out of, or before he went to college or after he got out of college or whatever. And he was talking about like, he found all these mattresses with all this like blood and urine and semen stains on them. And he, he like, uh, sprayed sprayed these mattresses with uh like six cans of scotch guard so he could like sleep on them and stuff which which sound you know it sounds bad unless you think about it when you're like okay first of all if you're so poor you can afford you can afford six cans of scotch guard and then you're finding a raggedy old mattress instead of sleeping on the ground isn't it easier to sleep on the ground rather than sleep in a mattress that's filled with uh you know bodily fluids i mean a lot of things just don't add up with the rock so you know i just I just take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, I guess you have to question how much is exaggerated and whatnot. Yeah. So. But, you know, we never exaggerate anything. All we do is tell the truth. Okay? Um, That's all we ever do. We've never done anything in our lives besides not exaggerate. So. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, you know, let's talk about some news in the world of professional wrestling, Sergio. Yeah, man. So we got a uh, Vince McMahon threatens to punish talent engaging with third parties. So basically, platforms presumably presumably like Cameo and Twitch. Uh, now you do Twitch, right? Yeah. Um, so I know, like you know, AJ Styles um, plays games on Twitch. Uh, Cameo. I know the wrestlers were charging X amount of dollars, and you can like you can talk to them on the face cam, stuff like that. I heard something like about Paige making like 50 grand a month or something crazy. Uh, probably more money than they're making. In de- well, not all of them, but more money than Paige is making in WWE. Um, so anyways, so they had a call with talent last Sunday and uh, basically McMahon sent a letter saying uh, they all have 30 days to stop engaging with third parties. Um Using your name and likeness in ways that are detrimental to our company. They have to stop doing that. Uh, it's imperative that these activities be terminated within the next 30 days by October 2nd. Now, um, that guy, that Billy Batty guy on the Vince Russo podcast, mm-hmm. right? So so the rumor, a lot of the rumors, or Melser was reporting that the, the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, Lana promoting some energy drink she has on Instagram. But uh, from what I understand... It was Bang. I think it was Bang. Bang. Okay. Now, if you remember, as far as Twitch goes, that's where I think where uh, AJ Styles was burying uh, Paul Heyman. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I want to say Billy Batty. So here's something funny. So AJ Styles' son was on Twitch playing games. and Somebody asked some question, and he goes, I don't watch WWE anymore. Hmm. Um, So apparently... So I heard that that is actually what did it. you know, this more, you know, Randy Orton like said the N word at one point, and he said some things. But uh, I think it's unfortunate because you know it's a chance for them to make. They're making really good money on the side, just you know, playing video games or whatever. Um, so you know, I don't know. What, what do you think about it? Um, so it's really um, what it really comes down to is. The WWE has to, they they have to make a distinction, and they they seem like they they have made a distinction. This goes this kind of goes back to the old argument about whether 
that wrestlers should be employees or independent contractors. So this is one of the outdated forms of, you know, the business that just doesn't exist in the corporate world now. Like there's no, there's no place that you can say you're an independent contractor. And then the people tell you where you show up, how much work you do, what you get paid and everything like that. That's not how independent contractor works. If that's the case then you're an employee. So I feel as though the WWE should just stop treating the wrestlers like independent contractors or if you know, it's, 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 one or the other it's like either you're an independent contractor and you can make your own revenue any way that you see fit or work for different promotions you know like why shouldn't somebody if they're an independent contractor they should be able to go to AEW or impact or make any appearances that they want to um if that's truly an independent contractor if they're not and they're an employee then um then yeah you have to follow all the rules that the company sets down for it's no different than anybody that works for any company um but they keep doing this weird, they keep using these weird language, uh, you know, to describe uh, the wrestlers. So on the one hand, I get I get the WWE side. They're saying you uh, are making revenue that we should be making um, because no one would know who you were if it wasn't for us. Um, yeah. On the other hand you look at it from their point of view, it's like this, I, I don't know anybody that was using the WWE's, like the, their name and likeness um, to promote themselves on these platforms, right? Like, this is like I, I didn't see, you know, Seth Rollins appearing as Seth Rollins or whatever on Twitch. You know, it's, it's not mm-hmm. like, like Rusev's not calling himself Rusev. You know, and his uh, and AJ Styles is, you know, well, he's AJ Styles. You know, he came into the WWE AJ Styles. He'll leave the WWE AJ Styles. So um, I don't I don't really know. But the thing is, um, if you sign some contract with the WWE, whatever that contract is, you got to, you know, you got to adhere to the terms of the contract you signed. Independent contractor, employee is irrelevant. You sign a contract and that's supposed to be binding. So now personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing your own thing. Like, well, cameo is kind of a, that's kind of the definition of that'd be like hiring a WWE superstar to appear at a birthday party without, you know, contacting the WWE. You're basically, you're, you're bringing these people in and even if they're not using their WWE names, again you're you're ba- that that's who you want you don't want the real person you want the the person from tv so whatever you have them do on cameo yeah i don't really i don't really see that um as far as as far as uh twitch and those you know youtube streaming and any any streaming video games stuff like that you know you're you're a lot of your uh, money comes from personal people's donations and stuff like that so you know, that's not money that the WWE was going to be getting anyway. It's not like someone's choosing between buying an AJ Styles shirt or giving him $28 on his Twitch channel. You know, it's they're not they're not really taking money out of the WWE's pocket. So I just say as long as you're not using as long as you're not, um, you know, referencing the WWE like AJ Styles was, as long as you just remain professional and keep your your things separate. 
I don't see there being an issue with that. And I think that's pretty much what um, the WWE came out and said also in their statement. They're, they're not saying like that you can't that, that you can't um, have those platforms or whatever, but you cannot use them in any way connected with the WWE um, or the characters or the likenesses. So it's kind of like, you know, well, I didn't know who was doing that anyway. I can't think of any examples of anybody who was doing that. Did you hear of any? That was that were yeah. using like clearly a WWE character on their streams. Uh, yeah. Well, like, for example, cameo. I know like uh, uh, Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing. They were using their you know their gimmick names. Um, and charging. I don't know. What the, I don't remember. I think Roman Reigns was doing like five hundred bucks or something for like I don't know how much cameo time you get with him, but that was one of the things. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I guess. I know Brody Lee. Uh, kind of mocked it on being the elite. Uh, he was kind of doing his missing man thing. We're telling them they can't have any any twitch and stuff anymore. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah. That, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll we'll follow along with it, and uh, we'll give you any updates on the situation. But um, yeah, as far as you know, it, it it's just it just comes to it just comes down to keeping your your personal and your professional lives separate. Um, you know, like even even when I would do streaming, I wouldn't talk about the company I work for because they have a social media policy. So even though even even if I'm not saying anything necessarily good or bad about them, I just don't bring it up. I just don't bring up any topics that would have to do with that. You know, because that's that's their rules that they put down. Not that I want to talk about them anyway, but I just I'm just not going to do that because that's the rules, and it should be the same here. So that's basically what I think about it. But I think there's a the, I think there's an agreement that everybody can come to where the people don't have to stop, you know, doing the stuff that they enjoy and, and getting revenue from it. Yeah. And like for people like Paige, like, well, OK, I guess Paige is technically with the WWE, but they don't use her for anything. So. She's she basically I think when this whole thing came out, she just had a tweet that just said, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, go ahead and fire me. Um, which, which I get. I understand. So, um, well, what, what about you? I mean, you've you kind of had, had the same idea. Pretty much yeah. Like- I, I mean, I get it from both ways. I just think it's unfortunate to not have that extra revenue stream for some of the wrestlers, especially the ones that aren't making, you know, that probably aren't making a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. If you, if you shut your thing down and you don't use it anymore and then the WWE lets you go, just fire it back up, you know, there's nothing stopping you. You'll be, you'll be able to just sit at home and play video games and make money. That's the dream that we all have. You know, why go, (laughs) why go into a, why go into a building full of people that could potentially have COVID and take bumps when you could just sit at home and play video games for money. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what Rusev makes on it, but he was talking about it on the Ryback podcast on how uh, he's doing pretty well. So good for him. Yeah, man. People, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with Twitch and the kind of stuff that goes on there, but like people get and 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 these some of these people still like as famous as a WWE person are some of the professional streamers. Uh, you know, make make a lot of money and are even more quote unquote popular than the WWE people, you know, because they've been doing it for so long. And and people yeah. just 
People just throw money at him. Like when you're watching them play, like you just see the donations go up and you're just like, who are all these fucking 14 year old kids stealing their mom's credit card to donate money to these people? Yeah, that's um, crazy, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah. So in other news, we have the uh, kind of a surprising release. Uh, WB just released AOP. Uh, not really any reason as to why or, or what, but uh. So Razor is the one that suffered the bicep injury in March. Uh, so they were both taken off TV. And I think WB has this rule where they won't injure, they won't release people while they're injured. So I think uh, so Razor actually was cleared to come back. Uh, and that's when the release just occurred. Man, this is just tough luck for Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah, he can't catch a break. Those are his first, those are his first disciples. And then they were gone. And then all he had was. And then you had Austin Theory and Murphy, and then Austin Theory got, you know, he's a, he's a creep. So then all he's left is Murphy now, and now him and Murphy aren't seeing eye to eye, pun intended. I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so you mentioned Austin Theory, so uh, which which I brought up earlier. Uh, so as far as Velveteen Dream goes, the uh, Billy Batty guy was mentioning the details as to why Velveteen didn't get fired. And so it turns out that uh, from the uh, Speak Out movement, mm-hmm. uh, it turns out the person with the allegations towards Dream was 17. And at the time, Velveteen Dream was 22. And the rule in Florida is, you, so if you're, if you're at the age of 17, I don't know if you're allowed to have sexual interaction or what some kind of interaction with an adult up to five years older than you, and because Dream wasn't wasn't 23 yet, uh, he just barely fit into the loophole to where whatever he was doing was legal in the state of Florida. So that's uh, those were the details that uh, Billy Batty gave out, and um, which basically cleared him from getting fired. So, oh, I see. Love you for him. And as far and he mentioned Austin Theory. No, actually, no, Melzer was talking about Theory. There wasn't anything. Any details? There's something about he gave someone, some girl, some kind of ultimatum, and kind of made her have sex with him or something. I'm not sure. I don't know. But. Yeah, something about his face just looks like that kind of guy. <laughs> so I don't know if going back to NXT is a punishment or or what's going on with him, but that's hopefully Billy Batty will cover it. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll definitely be a good supplement to our news section. Um, so speaking of which, um, anything else? No, I mentioned earlier. So Tanara Conti got hired by, uh, by AEW, um, as far as the, uh, hires and releases go, that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. So we just about, is that, there are no more stories then? No, 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 uh, no more. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll just uh, move on to the recap portion then. And we'll start with NXT. This will be the easiest NXT recap ever. It's, It's very simple. I'll put it like this. One hour, four men, six falls, zero new champs. So after all the Iron Man four-way match, uh, we ended in a tie with Balor and Cole. So they have to 
Face off for the NXT Championship the following week on NXT Super Tuesday 2. Um, you know, which as of this recording has already happened. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. As for this week, it was basically this one Iron Man match and some other bullshit. I don't even remember really what else was on the rest of the show. It wasn't anything super important, though. Um, did you have any thoughts on this episode or anything else that happened around this Super Tuesday? I, I actually missed that show. I heard, I read the spoiler, um, so I didn't get to see it. But what do you think of the Iron Man match? Oh, well, it was like I was barely paying attention to it, to be honest. It was it was kind of hard to to get invested in it. Um, just because like, well, 50 percent of the match I don't even like. And the other 50 percent is who ended up being like the two guys that are going to go on to fight for the title. So it was like, okay, I just, I really just wanted to see what happened. But as, as for the Iron Man match, I mean, I don't know. I guess it, it might have been interesting, but it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of a fan anymore to know what somebody with just that limited perspective, like, how would they, how did they view that? How did they enjoy that? You know, what did they think about it? I'm looking at it as a chore. Um, <laughs> There's probably people that were actually looking forward to this and really paying attention to it. So I couldn't uh, I couldn't tell you. It didn't seem bad. It, it seemed to go by quicker than I thought. Um, and there was plenty of like picture and picture stuff. So like if you're the type of person to fast forward those segments, then the match is probably even shorter. Um, but like there'd be times where you know, there'd be a segment on Raw. Well, not one segment. It'd be multiple segments of like a gauntlet match on Raw that would take an hour or even more. So it's not like it's unprecedented in terms of TV. But um, yeah, I was just it was it was I was very lukewarm on the whole uh, idea of it, and even more lukewarm in the idea, uh, you know, in the actual practice of watching it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of was. I was kind of turned off by having to sit down for an hour. I, I know in this day and age they've done like some thirty-minute Ironmans, but the hour just seemed a little long. But I will say NXT brought in a, a good rating. They did like in the upper eight hundred thousand uh, viewers. I think like something around eight sixty or something, which is which is good for them. Now Dynamite, on the other hand, on the following night or or that that week, uh, did a little under a million. So they did really well. Well, what you're seeing is that same hundred and something thousand people that fluctuate. You know, yeah, you're not going to get a bigger. You're not going to get. You're not going to get a bigger audience. It's really just. It's like everybody watches what they watch. I assume that the most of the seven hundred something thousand probably watch, you know, both. And then there's a hundred and fifty thousand that choose every week, and that's what you're seeing the difference in. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers, that, that kind of adds up. You know, you say it's like, what, eight, 860, you know? So that's like, what, 700 plus 150,000? And then if, if Dynamite usually draws, if Dynamite usually draws like around the 800, 800,000 or whatever, then another 150,000 is around a million, you know? So it's like, 
that that's kind of like the magic number there. Mm. Yeah, seems like it. Well, speaking of dynamite, let's talk about that episode. Um, so this was the go home for the all out pay per view, and um, so I just have a few notes here. Um, it looks like Proud and Powerful will not have to apologize to Trent's mom on speakerphone uh, because <laughs> they beat the best friends here. It's the first match I can remember them winning in a long time. What did you think about this? Yeah, I didn't care about the match, but I actually ended up kind of liking it. Okay. And then you got um, we got MJF threatening his lawyer for trying to lock himself in his room. Yeah, that was um, good. Uh, we had a, this is a much talked about, um, interview here with, with Kenny Omega and it turned into like this whole thing. Um, but after hearing his interview, I really appreciate more why the WWE overscripts things. Um, also there was a the seven second delay sensor, whoever that was in charge of doing that. They he missed all three curse words. <laughs> yeah, he did. And the the curse words that he missed were they've been you know they've aired on Dynamite uncensored multiple times. You know, like people have said dickhead, they've said shit, they've said, you know, son, whatever, son of a bitch or whatever else, the things that were, they said they all said that before and they didn't even try to bleep it out before. But this time they tried and they missed, which was hilarious to me. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of this whole mess of a mess of a segment here? I actually, so speaking of them being unscripted. Please, please, please just don't tell me you liked it. Just please don't. I, I like the segment a lot, actually. You, you can't. Well, you can't. It's not good. <laughs> There's nothing so, to like. Well, I'm talking about the friction between Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman Page. So we've seen tag teams break up, you know, our entire lives, obviously. And it's real cliche. The same shit kind of happens. But, but the way they're booking this is very, uh, very unique. So even, for example, right, uh, Kenny was in the ring. He had, his, he had his back. No, no, no. Uh, who was in the ring? Uh, no, Paige was in the ring with both belts. He had his back to Kenny. He had one hand out to hand Kenny to his belt back, but turns around, and Kenny's on the outside of the ring staring at him. And, like, like you, don't, you just don't see that kind of stuff due to these angles. You know what I mean? They, those little things, which I thought was outstanding. And they, you know, and they didn't get into a big brawl. It was just, like, dramatic storytelling, you know? You're making it sound like it was way more than it was. Like, there's a reason you don't see stuff like that, because this sucks. This, this is stupid. <laughs> like, now, granted, just because it's not the cliche that always happens doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it's this is this is arguably worse, or in terms of not the idea of them doing it, but the the execution and the performance of it. Uh Plus these like I'm and I'm talking about too the just these guys are out here on these promos just rambling, you know, like like they're rambling. Kenny Omega's rambling and he just sounds weird. And the, what he's talking about, I'm like, what are you saying, man? And then the the FTR comes out and they're just 
They're like giving him chocolate milk. And I'm just like, is this, this is for babies. Like babies watch this. I, I just don't, I, I don't see how just because it's not the usual cliche, boring, lazy WWE tag team breakup. Oh, you hit me off the apron. So we're not friends anymore thing. Um, that doesn't make it good. Well, uh, the chocolate milk is silly, but it, but it's it's real. You know, Kenny Omega doesn't drink alcohol. He drinks chocolate milk. So they're kind of ribbing him on that. But at the very least, oh, at the very least, it's real. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real, you know what I mean? It's not some cheesy scripted promo. And I'd and I, and I rather have them rambling on. To me, it just feels genuine and real. I can't stand the, the WWE's overly scripted promos. And, and I notice it more when I watch AEW. Uh, you know, just like the commentary, the promos. I, I appreciate that the fact that they're not so scripted. But you know, what's funny though is you you appreciate it the opposite way. So. Well, and I'm, I I don't like scripted promos, but I'm saying after watching a terrible thing like this, I understand why they do it because they're afraid of something like this happening. You yeah. know, it's, you're just you're basically you're trying to pick the lesser of two evils, and I, and I'm and I'm trying to say. You, all you're basically saying, Sergio, is that, well, it's not the WWE, so I like it better. And I'm like, yeah, it does. Okay, fine. But why you're, you're still, you're, you're choosing one piece of shit over a smellier, older piece of shit. That's really all you're doing. It's still a piece of shit. You haven't seen anything done well in wrestling in so long. You don't even know what's good anymore. So you take you, they give you this and you're fooled into thinking it's entertaining. Even you know better than that, but it's just been a long time. Uh, speaking of shitty wrestling, uh, Joey Janela, um, he got <laughs> he somehow got to have a match with Chris Jericho, and I'll say this: this is the best match of Joey Janela's entire career. Not that I've seen every match in his career, but I know it was the best one. And the reason it was the best match of his career is because Jericho didn't let him do anything. He fucking beat him up and then beat him. And that's, and that's yeah. all that should ever be in a Joey Janela match. Um, yeah, 100%. All right. Um, then, they have, then they have this uh, this battle royal thing where everybody that's going to be participating in the... Now, you want to talk about... You want to talk about what's exactly like what the WWE does? It's this, where somebody, like people that are going to be in an upcoming match all come out to the ring in separate groups or or individually or whatever and they all start interrupting each other and then they they end up like if if, if they got a bit the royal every time the royal rumble's about to happen like some monday night raw or smackdown goes off the air with like the ring full of people right fighting right like yeah yeah that, that's their way of getting you excited for the royal rumble um and this is the same thing they got a casino battle royale coming up at all out so they have a bunch of people come out there and just start talking to each other, and then they all end up getting in a fight. Um, and <laughs> so this this whole thing goes through like is is guys fighting in the ring? There's no the, you know there's no match. It's just they all came out, cut small promos, and then start fighting. So they've got a fake battle royal going on with all the participants, and then it goes through a picture and a picture. So like while there's a picture, while there's commercials going on, these guys are still fighting. And then um, they come back from the break and the break would normally be like, if this was on the WWE, it would be like everybody's in the ring fighting and they come back from break and everybody's gone and they're getting ready to move on to the next thing. Well, 
because they're in picture in picture they're fighting the whole time and you can see them and they don't get to have the moment where somebody comes out like any referees or anybody else and tries to like pull apart or or do anything like that so you see them the whole time but rather than anybody coming out to get rid of all these people that the announcers are just like uh let's let's just hear from the dark order so they go to a vignette with the dark order in the middle of these guys yeah. fighting in the ring <laughs> and so they go back and tell the story of the dark order there and then when they're done with that then everybody's gone so this whole thing was just fucking rotten uh go ahead and disagree with that if you can well what i didn't like was the promo before the before the whole scuffle which a lot of guys like disco conan vince russo they're all kind of burying the promo because they were talking about what we were just mentioning how they don't script their promos so everyone was talking over each other, but I liked it because it seemed real. Um, but you know, even like Kenny or uh, uh, Kenny Kingston, <laughs> Kenny Kingston, and, uh, you uh, just uh, combine you combine three different wrestlers into the wrong wrestler. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Kingston, Kingston. Eddie Kingston, yeah. Yeah, not, not Kenny King, King. not Kofi yeah. Kingston. <laughs> uh, telling everybody to shut up. Vince uh, Russo was saying like how he knows Taz. He's like pretty sure. Taz probably would have chewed him out in the back after that. Um, so I don't know. That was interesting. And that was, Kings- that was where J- Jake Roberts was out there too, right? Yeah, Jake Roberts. Yeah, Taz. So they're, they're all talking over each other and whatever, but it's not, it's, it's in the uncomfortable way. Like, like um, not only did you not talk about this beforehand, but what you're doing is creating awkward, the wrong kind of awkwardness on TV. But that's even that's better than whatever Kenny Omega was doing, just rambling pointlessly and just being fruity. But like, uh, but at least at least with the tension that comes from Taz and Jake and you know and Eddie Kingston and stuff like that, at least that that makes for more dramatic television. So that's not really the same thing. It is a little awkward, but that's not bad. Uh, what's bad is what happens when everybody starts fighting, but but I already covered that part, so anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the promo, I liked how you know he clearly wasn't scripted, so I, I thought that was cool. I, I like that, yeah. Now, you, you guys like Jake Roberts, Taz, uh, Eddie Kingston, those are guys that you don't have to script, you know, but clearly yeah. well, you need to script Omega, otherwise, he'll take way too long and say way too much without saying anything at all. Um, yeah, Kenny. I don't know if he's really—he's not doesn't seem like much of a promo guy, you know. He could be. Yeah, he, he looks like—he looks like a fucking bum, which is which is another thing that got mentioned by you know everybody. Uh, if 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 there's one thing that Cornette and Russo can agree on, it's that Kenny Omega look like a fucking bum out here with his shorts and his t-shirt. <laughs> and what, you know, yeah. so. Um. Yeah, you know. Can you imagine fine. the? Imagine the hurt business walking around with shorts and t-shirts. You know, they were they were they were in suits. You know, they 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 look like uh, as Russo would say, stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. So I guess the the real. Okay. So the highlight here of the show, obviously, for me, was Thunder Rosa versus a debuting. Who debuted, Sergio? Serena Deeb. And who is Serena Deeb, Sergio, for the people that don't know? Oh, yeah. So we go way back with her and as far as OVW goes. Um, she originally got signed. She's most known for her role uh, in the Straight Society with uh, 
uh, Doc Gallows, uh, CM Punk, and she was a girl that got her head shaved. Um, ended up getting released because I guess uh, what's the story? She was out in the bars drinking, but her on-screen character is straight edge, some kind of you know some dumb bullshit. Uh, then we see her again in the Mayon Classic. Then uh, most recently, she's been a uh, coach at NXT, and then ended up getting uh, released uh, during COVID with all the other releases. And that's Serena Deep. That is Serena Deep. So, Sergio, I actually go back pretty far. With Serena Deep. I was there for her very first day, her very first day in wrestling ever. Oh, okay. Uh, she joined the beginners class. Uh, with me, which was being taught by Mike Mondo at that time. So I only been there like a few weeks, a couple weeks, whatever it was. And she came in, joined the beginner's class. The, uh, I think she believe she was 18 or 19 or so. Um, I always called her the 19 year old phenom. Um, but, uh, no, that was Lupe. Uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but she was the original phenom. Uh, she came in the beginner's class and there was this funny, um, <laughs> this guy, there was this guy that also joined the beginner's class at the same time as her. And he was one of the guys who he'd probably be a superstar in AEW. But, you know, back then wrestlers weren't supposed to be that small and skinny and ugly and weak. And so this guy's name was, this guy's name was Clay. That's all I remember. I don't remember if he had a last name. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was born with one, but I don't recall it. His name was Clay. And he started the same day as her. And I remember that he kind of had like this, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, like a crush on her, I guess, because, you know, you have that, you know, you have that kinship with somebody that you're both starting out at the same time and everything like that. Um, and he, he would always try to like make little jokes or whatever. And just, and she, and she's, Dude, Serena, if you don't, the people that don't know Serena, she is the nicest, most positive, sweetest person ever in the world. Way too nice for the wrestling business. Um, yeah, very nice. Very, very nice. Um, and she, she never, like, she never let, like, she never made him feel like an asshole or a creep or a loser, all of which he probably was. But like, and I'm just, I'm just saying that for entertainment purposes. I mean, he was a nice guy, but you know how it is with like nerds that just aren't used to talking to girls or they're not cool or whatever. Um, so, you know, she would always be super nice to him. And then she'd like, but then she'd like look over at me and like, she'd give me that, she'd give me the look like, <sighs> you know, kind of thing, you know, and I would just like try not to laugh, you know, because if I laughed then um you know he would be like what are you laughing at you know kind of thing like he was yeah he yeah then it would it would blow the whole thing um so yeah uh but yeah ever since that ever since that day and and you know she started dating mike mondo he, he swooped her up real quick but he wasn't that old either he was like i think mondo was like 22 at the time and so was, mondo like, under, was he under was he under contract then i th no not not yet he was there just trying to get one, but he was on their TV. Um, okay. And he got signed. And of course he was part of the spirit squad uh, later, but at the time he was, he was, you know, down there on his own dime and he'd been, he'd worked in New York and stuff before, but you know, he moved down there to get a job. Um, and so he eventually did. And we were all happy for him. 
Um, and he was a good, he was a good trainer. He was, he's a really nice guy. Cool guy too. Um, but yeah, he started oh, yeah. One, he, one of the nicest guys ever. Man. Yeah. And, and just so good. Like he, he's such a good worker. He knows he gets wrestling. He, he, he's smooth. He can do this stuff in his sleep. You know what I mean? He just, yeah. he knows how to get over. He knows how to get other people over. Um, he, he's just, he's one of the unsung talents um and wrestling and if you go back and watch all the spirit squad stuff he really stands out everybody's sitting there we're talking about ken ken doan you know um because he was really young too when he started he was a 19 year old phenom also uh way before yeah. lupe um but he he was like like if you really watch mikey and all those things like he does he he stood out so far above what the other guys were doing um he was he was always entertaining to watch, uh, mm-hmm. and they still do the Spirit Squad to this day. You know him and him and Ken are like a tag team, so yeah, yeah. whenever they get a chance, they still do it. They were in MLW uh, recently, it was last year, doing little shots here and there. But anyways, the point is the point is about Serena. Um, Serena was when I when I first started, Serena was a beginner, and I was showing her the stuff that I learned a few weeks ahead of her just to help her out. Um, when I took my hiatus from OVW and came back nine months later, uh, she was now the master. She was the top student for Riff Rogers in his class. She was the one that did all the examples. And when, uh, when Rip would put me in the ring, it was always with Serena. So I had to have these matches where, you know, it'd be just, just a, a, a five minute singles match and he'd just be like you know d put the vet over give me a finish five minutes whatever and we didn't we didn't have time to talk about anything and she would call these whole matches to me in the ring and it was amazing and she would just wow. call stuff she would call stuff that i didn't that i had never done and i didn't have time to not do it i just did it so when she's like She's like, she's like, shoot me off power slam. I'm like, okay. You know, I had no choice. I had to, I had to shoot her off and give her a power slam and I gave her yeah. a power slam and she didn't die. Um, so it was good. And then, um, but yeah, like the way just, I learned so much from being in the ring with her once. And I think I, we probably had like four or five singles matches total. Cause most of the matches were like tag matches, but if Rip saw some promise in somebody, he wanted to see what they had. And I didn't know that at the time. I just, I just thought that's just how things were. So he, but he must've been like trying to scout me. Like how, 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 how much does this guy really know? So Mm -hmm. he only called me the vet because I was a rookie and that's as far as he thought about it. He's like, when I signed up for his class, he's like, we need to give you a name. Well, he's the, he looks over at Rod Steele, the late Rod Steele, rest in peace. He looked over at Rod Steele, and he's like, well, he's the rookie, right? So we'll call him a veteran, vet. That's as simple as it was. He just he just said huh. that, exactly like that. So that's why I was a vet. But anyways, I had never done anything, except had, <laughs> except now I'm having these, these singles matches in practice with Serena. And so she's calling the whole things, and I'm just listening. And um, if, if I did anything wrong, she never told me. Um, either because I didn't do anything wrong or more likely because she's just that kind of a, a positive, nice uh, person. Um, but just being in there with her to hear her like calling the match taught me how to call a match, which is 
you know, I don't know how you learned it, Sergio, but a lot of guys I see, they like to sit in a chin lock and tell a story about what they're about to do. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just like, it's very obvious when guys are calling spots, like you'll see them like push them back to the corner and like lean on them for like 10 minutes before they give them an Irish whip and just all this yeah. other shit. Chris Jericho is a, yeah. does that a lot. <laughs> Classic Jericho. Yeah. Cena, Cena is another really obvious one. Yeah. Um, and, and so quick sidebar, how did you, how did you learn it? Like, how did they show you? Uh, so when I came from UPW, they were kind of ahead of they were kind of ahead of their time in what we were learning. But then we, we weren't really learning how to call stuff in the ring. It was more um, psychology and kind of memorizing spots. So when I came to OBW, I never really I don't think I ever really got good at calling stuff in the ring. I could memorize every spot all day long, but just calling shit on the fly, I I, I never got good at that. I didn't like it either. Um, so yeah, so I I just never got good at that. Well. I'm not necessarily just talking about calling shit on the fly, but the stuff that you planned out in your match, usually somebody still calls it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 Like every, oh. like everybody doesn't just automatically remember every single part of the match and then just go through it like a robot. You, somebody decides, uh, who, you know, that somebody decides who's going to tell who, what happens next, you know, just, just to keep everybody on the same page. So that's what I'm fascinated about since I never learned that. So I wonder how other people that learned other places learned it. Um, you know, it wasn't because it wasn't always the old school heel calls the whole match in the ring thing. It's like, how, how that's why I'm asking, like, how did you decide, like, what, 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 what did they tell you about doing that? Or what did you learn about that? I, don't, I think it does. I think it depends on who you were working and, it, and everyone was different. Everyone's on different levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of guys that were good, we wouldn't really even do much talking. We were just, doing what we had, you know, remembered, as opposed to, like, I remember there was times where, if I'm in there with, like, did you ever meet Rough Rider Rashad? Of course. Uh, okay. Like, him, like, there'd be times where I remember, I remember there'd be times where i tell the rest, all right, you know, because this guy's not going to remember anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of guys that would just not be able to memorize any spots, you know, so I remember there'd be times where I'd, you know, pass messages to, to the rest and whatnot. Because other two, I was always paranoid. I don't want any. I don't want anybody to see me talking. I didn't want to get caught telling spots. I remember too. Speaking of speaking of John Cena, I remember uh, one day in class uh, at back in UPW, he said he'd rather have the entire front row hear him yell at a spot than to mess a spot up. And I was, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't have to be either or. But as we as we've seen through his career, you know he's not afraid to to yell spots, <laughs> so he stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so as far as as far as Serena goes, I remember. Uh, I don't know when she got signed. I don't think it was out of OBW, but I remember because uh, one of the she was at one of the trials I was in. And that's when they signed Ryback and Ariam Washington, uh, Gavin Garrison. They didn't sign her, um, but I remember when I moved to Tampa, she was already there. So when I was going to the weekly uh, FCW tapings, uh, like she was always working like Naomi, and no joke, dude, this this is ten, this is ten years ago, and they were they were they were stealing the show, like they were hands down put on the best match. Yeah. So whatever aptitude someone can have for a business, you know, the wrestling business, she just has that. You know, she's a a genius, a savant 
anything anything you want to say um yeah she just got it and it made it that much easier uh for people like me to learn just from being in there with her because i could just do what she did the way she the way you would call a spot is if she if she'd say like hip toss i give her hip toss while i while she's in the air being hip tossed by me she's saying to me body slam so when she feeds up i give her a slam while i pick her up she says you know shoot me off power slam whatever whatever the deal is or or drop kick or whatever's next you know she's just telling me so she has it all in her head already and all i have to do is the next thing and it made it incredibly easy for me to follow and that's just what i adopted when i had to take on that role which only ended up being like i don't know a six weeks or something like that or like a couple of months or just what, whatever the case was where I was no longer being led and I was doing the leading. Um, I just did what, you know, she sort of taught me how to do. Um, so I can't, I can never put her over enough. Um, I always, you know, be sure to, uh, keep up, keep up contact with her to this day and send her, um, you know, messages, birthdays, whatever, just, Letting her know that, uh, you know, I'm still watching her. And this match was no different because even though she got jobbed because she didn't even get her name announced on this fucking show, like they, like they put the graphic up at least, um, uh, of her name. So at least we knew where we were, but it was like, it was so weird because Justin Roberts was like hanging around in the ring with the mic looking like he was waiting to say something else. And then he just got out. (laughs) So it was like, huh? weird but anyway so she goes on to put on this match with thunder rosa now deeb's been working 15 years uh thunder rosa's been working maybe five six years yeah they said six on commentary yeah not long really and the because you know what's the old thing six years six matches now she's she's not that bad but when you're on the indies you don't work every week you know you might work every month if you're lucky that's a that's a that's somebody that's really doing a lot. Um, she does just have an MMA background, which I've noticed. These MMA guys, they just like wrestlers, they just they pick it up really well. Yeah, well, she she doesn't even have so much an MMA background as she has an MMA foreground because she's only had one fight, and that came well after she was a wrestler. So I know she trains in it, you know, and I don't know how long she's trained in it, but she's only had one fight, and that was like. That was at the same, I believe that was the same show that Del Rio had the fight with uh, Tito Ortiz at. Um, okay. So for that promotion. So yeah, you know, she's, she's, she's learning this stuff, but everybody put this match over and I'll put it over too. The match was good. Um, it's the best AEW women's match um, there's ever been. It's probably one of the best, the, it's got to be one of the top five AEW matches they've ever had. Certainly in the top three on the Dynamite TV show. Um, I mean, they just, they really shamed the entire women's division with what they did. Uh, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, I agree. I think even Jim Ross made a comment about it. I forgot exactly what he said, but it was something along those lines on he doesn't want to get in trouble. I don't know. Putting over two girls who aren't even in their contract, but they're better than the rest of the locker room. Uh, yeah, it was really good. 
uh, and you can see how good Serena is. Just the little things, dude, like the tie-up, you know, the, the original, the starting off the match with, mm-hmm. with that really hard lock-up, uh, which was good. But then you look at, like, uh, I don't know if it, if it stuck out to you, but when Peyton Royce and Billy Kay locked up on Raw, they were, like, <laughs> dancing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But even also, little like, a little one of the pet peeves I have, which I've seen guys like even Orton Flair, you know, not do this. But, like, so Serena has Sonya Rosa in a headlock. Sonya Rosa backs her into the ropes to shoot her off. Serena doesn't let go of the headlock until she gets shot off. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. yep. Some guys have the habit of letting go and grabbing the rope. I think Orton does it. I've seen Flair do it. Like guys that are really good, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but in reality, you know, they some teachers will drill it into you in practice. Like, hey, don't break the headlock because once they back you into the ropes, theoretically, if you break the headlock, well, then they can just punch you in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something. Yeah. Why? Why go to shoot them off at that point? They let you go. Yeah. Yeah. The so whole point. Think... The whole point of shooting them off is to get out of the headlock. And if they let you out of the headlock, then you don't need to do it anymore. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, just her basic fundamentals were all really good. You know, it shows you that she's, a, you know, a, a Rip Rogers student. Um, and the match was simple. They didn't do anything stupid or crazy. There wasn't a bunch of leg slaps. Uh, you know, they weren't trying to emulate a Will Ospreay match. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was good. And, and, it's and also... I was, I was, I was impressed ahead. with Dr. Rosa. I, I've always seen her once in MLW, but she has a really good, like, presence about her. Like, she kind of just looks like a star. Uh, so I thought I thought Thunder Rosa was very impressive as well. Yeah, I always liked Thunder Rosa. I first saw her in the tag team with Holla Dead in Ring of Honor, and they just had a cool gimmick and a look to them that kind of set them apart. Um, and then she's, you know, she's she's kind of doing her own thing, and and that's good. And uh, and um, props to her for that. But um, yeah, just. It's just so it it just the match just looks different. I mean, and the I know why it looks different. Um, and a lot of it's just because everything looks like it's it's being contested and struggled. It doesn't look like it's being like it, you're trying. Someone's trying to remember it. Like, oh, what am I supposed to do right here? I forgot. You know, which is that's the pitfalls of memorizing your match. You you even if you, I, I guarantee you, there's people that think their match went perfect. Um. And if they watch it back, they'll be like, oh, man, you know, because it felt like you remembered everything. So you did everything. But then you looked like you were remembering it in the ring. You know, I I always call it like I could the phrase I use when I'm watching wrestling with my friends or whatever that I can, you know, when we're talking about and stuff is like I can see their wheels spinning, meaning I can, you know, the gears turning in their head like, um, you know, I could see them trying to remember the next spot instead of just just go with it. And there's mm-hmm. some people that memorize their whole match and they can disguise it very well. And it looks, you know, guys like Orton. I'm sure Orton memorizes a lot of a match too, uh, just because the guys that he's often working with are just that type of guy. So you kind of have to. Plus, it's different for WWE TV. There's so much involved in the production of it, so he doesn't have the luxury of just calling shit on the fly all the time anymore, uh, like he probably does on house shows. But yeah. But um, but even when he's doing that, you can't see that on Orton's face. You can't see that on Okada's face. There's certain guys that are on like a level where even if they're memorizing their whole match, it doesn't look like it. And then there's people like most of the female roster of any company that and no, I don't know why it just it it just so happens to be females. A lot of guys do it, too. But you can just see them remembering spots, um, but not oh, here. Yeah, 
Especially so, in AEW. The, the, those mm-hmm. girls try to do things that's outside of their athletic ability. And they're mm-hmm. trying to do too much. But when you watch this women's match, they didn't they didn't do too much and it and it was better. You know, less is more. Yeah. So can't put it over enough. Um it's worth going out of your way to watch. Uh especially if you're you know if, if anything that we've said has intrigued you somewhat, uh try to find it and watch it. Um she made she made uh Serena made Thunder Rosa look like a million bucks, as you would say, and a real competitor. And that was all just to get her ready for her big match, um, you know, at All Out, which we'll talk about later, and which we'll see how, um, you know, it makes a difference who you're in there with. So, uh, only thing left I have on my notes is Moxley versus Lawyer. Sergio, you are a huge fan of this. Why don't you talk about it? Tell me everything yeah. you loved about it, because I barely paid attention. Uh, man, I was thinking, because I wanted to see what the lawyer can do. I know he's been wrestling for a while, but I, I, didn't, I guess I didn't expect him to really get any offense in. But they really went all out on a comedy match. But I, I, I felt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I just felt at some point, I was like, all right, this is kind of going on too long. And you can even, even Moxie thought it was a shit, because I guess right before he hit him with a par- paradigm shift, he made some kind of comment on this is great TV or something, being sarcastic. So um, maybe maybe it, it felt different when they were planning it, but while they're executing it, maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm sure he didn't plan on saying that. Um, but yeah, it just man, it just went on too long, and and you know we didn't really have the lawyer didn't really do anything to where we wanted to see him get his ass kicked. You know he right. so there was not really any heat on the lawyer. So you know it was what it was. It was definitely wasn't you know, the best match, but I'm sure if they can go back, they'd probably do things differently. Uh, how would you have done it? Uh, I mean, maybe have the lawyer, he could have at least kicked Moxie in the nuts or something, you know, maybe the week before or something to where Moxie wants to kick his ass and just go out there and just kick his ass. You know? Well, the whole idea of a lawyer being in a wrestling match is ridiculous anyway. Yeah. I mean, let's let's face it. There's a, there's a reason why they don't do this stuff very much. Um, but in any case, at least afterwards, after all that foolishness, MJF came down and beat the shit out of John Moxley. So it, it gave something to uh, something to look forward to the pay-per-view, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhat. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what I've been looking forward to? Taking a break. Because, man, am I tired. You tired? Um, we'll, uh... Oh, you, you can go, you go a little long. Let's take a break anyway, though. Let's just conserve our energy. And then yeah. um, we'll be right back. Um, and we'll start talking about something that's going to drain our energy some more. Hey, remember when you said you were thinking about starting your own podcast? Yeah, you know, you said everyone else had one, so why not you? But you were like, it's probably too much work. And I said, well, what about Anchor? You can record and edit right from your computer or even your phone. And then you said something like, I don't know how to get it out there. And I was all, Anchor will do that for you too. They'll get it up on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and more in no time. 
And then you said, no time? And I said, well, maybe a little time. And I was about to tell you it's on Anchor right away, but you were like, don't I need a minimum amount of listeners to make money? And I was all like, no, what you need to do is stop making excuses because everything you need to make a podcast is all in one place. I told you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Seriously, you don't remember any of this? All right, now we got uh, SmackDown. Sergio, still not watching SmackDown, right? No, well, my damn, um, my Sling TV took off the took off the SmackDown channel, so I either have to switch. SmackDown has its or, own channel, or or Fox or whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's not on there anymore, so it just doesn't record it. So I might have to switch from Sling TV to something else because I do want to record SmackDown and check it out. Um, so maybe I'll go to YouTube TV or something on it. Well, I'm sure you watched all the pertinent clips for the week. Yeah, I watched the, I watched the clips for sure. All right. So um, we start with Paul Heyman uh, doing a, a great promo here. Um, and in his promo, it includes the line, um, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So I'll give you $100 if you know what movie that's from. Oh, uh, can't tell you. Okay, it's, it's from Godfather 3. Uh but um, nothing in his promo was about Roman being a heel. Um, you know, I know they're going to position Roman Reigns in this way. And I know that we had the sort of argument last week. Um, and it's just like, trust me, I get it. But I, I want the, the point I want to make here is that despite what they're saying, Everything they're doing is wrong in terms of when they try to categorize or oversimplify these things. It's it's just not the way it's supposed to be. So, like, you know, wrecking two heels and leaving at payback, or was it not payback? Um uh SummerSlam. Uh, SummerSlam, yeah. Yeah. Wrecking two heels and leaving. Uh Paul Heyman as your counsel talking slowly and quietly, fake crowd booze. None of these things make you a heel. It only makes you a heel when you do things that you've never done. If he's a heel now, if Roman Reigns is a heel now, he always has been. It's like that meme, you know, with the two astronauts looking at the Earth. Have you seen that? No. Okay, it's, it'll, it'll be like, you know, it, it, it's a meme where they got these, these two astronauts and one of them's looking at the Earth and it's like, Wait, it's you know it, it's been a bunch of things. It's like uh, it's all it it's it, it started with some thing in like oh like Ohio, where you look at the they look at the Earth and it's just like a giant state of Ohio and the the one astronaut's like wait it's all Ohio and the other astronaut's standing behind him with a gun to his head and he's like always has been you know like he's about to kill this guy for finding out the truth. Um, so it's kind of like that. I look at that. Oh, wait, Roman Reigns is a heel? Always has been. He's been a heel since he got there with the shield. He came and beat everybody up. Then when he was a babyface, he came and beat everybody up. But now that he's supposedly a heel with Paul Heyman, he's coming and beating everybody up. What's really different about Roman Reigns? Um, it's one of those things where, okay, the presentation of him is different. When you look at him, like let's say – Let's say, yeah, somebody come in and be like, okay, tell me who's the good guys, who's the, who's the bad guys. 
you look at that promo, you're like, oh, he looks like a bad guy. Um, so I think the presentation, how we perceive him, at the very least, is different. Well, he's still got the same music and the same ring gear, and he's acting the same. So what no, presentation? Not, not really the same. Just you know, like even his was when he was with one of the USO guys. You know, the Uso, you know, he's not returning his phone calls, man. That's kind of douchey. You don't do that to family. <laughs> well, you know, he, he's he's uh that doesn't that that okay okay fine. To to me, the most heelish thing about Roman Reigns by a wide margin is him having a pop socket on his phone. That's the biggest heel thing that he's <laughs> ever done. But other than that, I mean, he's a he's a he's a big tough guy that comes and beats everybody up. I mean, what's not to like? And the people do like Paul Heyman. They love Paul Heyman. That's why every time he comes out and says my name, everybody in the arena says is Paul Heyman. They love chanting along with Paul Heyman. I mean, Paul Heyman makes things fun. He makes it. He tries to make it fun to be a wrestling fan because he knows this product's a shit. So, you know, you could argue that him turning heel, quote unquote, is going to make him the bigger babyface than he's ever been. Um, but who cares? That's beside the point. Well, uh, he's almost. I wonder. So, if they had crowds, because to me, Roman Reigns is like he's cool now. You know. If there were crowds, would he really be getting booed? I mean, he's gonna have no. to be in there with them. He'd have to be in there with some really popular baby faces. So, like for example, he's gonna work the Uso guy. Like, I mean, I feel like they 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 would cheer Roman Reigns. You know, he'd have to be in there with a with a Daniel Bryan. Um, I don't know. You know, you know, some kind of really popular baby face. Because right now he's kind of just he's cool. You know. Well, no one has booed Cancer Survivor Roman Reigns. So it's not like they were booing him anyway. And just him being back was going to get a big reaction if there was one. But now we don't even get that reaction because the reaction is piped in. So these people are booing. But again, what reason has Roman Reigns given given us to, to, to boo or given the fans to boo? He hasn't done anything to anybody that anybody was supposed to like. Braun Strowman? You turn Braun Strowman heel, so he beats up Braun Strowman. What? We're we supposed to feel sorry for Braun Strowman? The Fiend was kidnapping Alexa Bliss, that you know, and all this other stuff. It's like these aren't these these aren't the baby faces of your company that that he screwed over somehow. He's just he's just back, and uh, people would be happy to see him regardless, and they'd probably they'd probably like him more um, the same way they started cheering for the Fiend because the Fiend was just more interesting to the people than Seth Rollins at the time, which sent Seth Rollins on this downward spiral where he's trying to take everybody's eyes out. You know, it's just, they, they don't know what they're doing is basically my point. So sitting there and saying like, now you're deciding that the people are going to boo Roman Reigns because you get to control the noise. You get to add boos. <laughs> you want to speak of that before I forget, I wasn't going to mention, I didn't make a note, but, you you were talking about Billy Kay and Peyton Royce earlier, mm-hmm. and their their matches on Raw, which we haven't gotten to yet, and we're probably not going to talk about the match anyways. But like, there's a spot where you know how you get somebody with like you you get like uh, almost like a like a chin lock on, and then you like you drive your knees into their back while they're sitting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that when Peyton Royce dropped a knee into Billy Kay into into her back? 
they they had one of those big like oh's from the crowd like as if somebody like <laughs> fell off or took a huge bump or something did you notice that it is so no. out of place um they don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing i As did you, notice uh all the people in the crowd that you can see while the match is going on you notice they're all like booing and cheering now i don't know uh i haven't tried to sign up but i wonder if wwe incentivizes people saying hey the more animated you are you know we'll, we'll put you in front of the screen more because like you know everyone's booing everyone's did you notice that not really especially during the brains promo you see all the people they're all got they're sitting in their living room alone booing so so i'm sure there had to be some kind of incentive yeah right um so seamus attacks biggie here i'm sure you saw this right um, I don't know why he's like he's 0 and 2 against Big E. <laughs> it's like this is a weird thing where Sheamus just gets beat by people and then he won't let it go. Um, yes, but there's really there's really nothing, yeah, there's really nothing else to say about it. You know, it's like, what do you want another match? Are you going for another match? It's it just don't just I don't know. Uh, he so he gives him he gives either bro kick, which you know, Big E sells this bro kick phenomenally like this is a great a great sell but instead of that being it and him walking away he picks him up and gives him like the white noise through a, a nearby car windshield um so that's you know a little bit of overkill but whatever um and then and then you know as as uh adam pierce and pad buck show up to chase sheamus away um and they're and they're checking on biggie and well Pat Buck gropes Biggie um, while he's he laying on the pets. car. It might have been his leg, I think. I'm I'm really I'm not digging this uh, Biggie babyface push. It's just not really clicking with me. As I mentioned before, dude, if anybody can benefit from joining the hurt business, it's it's Biggie, dude. Uh, by other other outside of that possibility, I don't see anything anything coming out of this Biggie run. Sergio, I already told you the Hurt Business is on Raw. Come on. Well, we hopefully we got a draft coming up. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, after this, like, Sheamus comes back for a promo. And for some weird reason, uh, the promo makes this whole scene a metaphor for, like, some of the Black Lives Matter stuff that's going on. Uh, I don't know if you really picked this up or even if you saw this promo. Cause it might not have been on one of the clips, but yeah, he's, he's, he basically was saying like, you know, he's like, this guy came at me and I did what anybody would do. I defended myself. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Even if, uh, it was in poor taste or it was tone deaf, but either way, it was completely unnecessary to have him come back and do this promo. Um, just makes you wonder, man. Uh, so uh, speaking of unnecessary, um, Nia Jax hits a fat guy cross body off the second rope for the win um, oh. against the Golden Roll Models, and uh, this is where um, this is where the the real uh, heel turn that we've all been waiting for happened. Sergio, what happened after this? Uh, I don't think I saw that part. Oh, you didn't see the you didn't see the Golden Roll Models. Okay. No. Well, 
basically, after uh, after they were both squashed flat by Nia Jax, um, Sasha's uh, injured here. I forget, maybe her leg or something. And then Bailey's like in there with the medical personnel and acting like she's concerned. And uh, then all of a sudden, um, like as they're getting ready to go out the ring, she just attacks Sasha Banks. So she was she was helping her at first and very concerned. Oh, the and then, heel turn. Okay. Then all of a sudden attacked. I got out of nowhere. So it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, um I'm sure everybody thought that you know, Sasha would have more reason to turn just because she's been the one coming up short in all these, you know, situations, losing belts and whatnot. Um, but no, it's instead Bailey is, is her friend, like right up until she's not. And then she pilmanizes Sasha. Um, while that one douchebag referee, Shinsuke Nakamura's boyfriend is outside the ring, just watching and saying, no, don't. Um, Michael Cole, was like he had a call he's like bailey get down and it sounded so real it made me think he would get in and stop it before the ref actually got in and stopped it but he didn't stop it either nobody stopped it so when i say pilmanize for the people that aren't familiar that means that uh bailey put the chair around sasha's neck and jumped on it um from the second rope or whatever it was and stomped on it so, so Sasha's gonna be the baby face, huh? I guess. But like I said before, before they even did this, I'm like, well, they're both equally acting like bitches. So I don't know why anybody would feel maybe they just maybe that's why this attack was so vicious because you needed to engender sympathy immediately. But I mean, neither one of them is very likable, and I just don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, you have any thoughts on it? No, I'm kind of I'm kind of over both of them, man. I I, I, I do like Sasha, but I'm kind of over the whole the whole angle. I, I've never really liked Bailey. That's true. Now that unlike Kyrie saying, I can definitely say you never liked Bailey. Um. So they fucked up Matt Riddle's entrance again, but. They did get a, for some reason, right before they went to break, they did a slow-mo replay of his entrance, of him kicking off the flip-flops. <laughs> but the 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 slow-mo replay was still from the wrong angle. It was still from the side, but, like, I don't, I don't know why they bothered to show it again. Maybe just to rub it in my face for calling them out on it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got for SmackDown. What do you think of, uh, is it Jimmy or Jey Uso? Uh, getting Roman at the pay-per-view? Um, well, it was somewhat unexpected. But I, th- I think it, it must... Well, I'd be giving them a lot of credit. But I would think that that's one of the only things that you could do if you're like really going to go in a heel turn direction. If you really want to turn Roman Reigns heel, this will have to be the thing uh, that turns him because to anybody else... I don't think it would mean that much, but since this guy is like basically related to him, if he turn if he does something horrible to uh, his cousin, then certainly, um, you know, then you could say he's a heel for real. 
Yeah, I doubt they're going to do anything great, but they can because they're real-life family members. If you look back to when they had Brett versus Bulldog or Brett versus Piper, like did they, you know, Brett versus Owen, they did some really good, you know, family tie stuff, which they can do here. But, uh, and hopefully they will. But, I mean, we'll see, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, yeah. That's all I got. And you got, you know, nothing else. Uh, did I forget anything or anything else you wanted to add or ask? No, is, is, is Riddle still working with Corbin? Uh, is he? I don't even remember what he did on this show. Oh. I just, all I'm caring about is them getting that shot on the hard cam of his entrance. That's all I care about. I don't care who he's working. I don't care about his matches. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for SmackDown. All right. Uh, so we had a special Friday edition of AEW Dark. Did you know about this? Uh, I, I think I heard about it. I didn't see any uh, any savvy on the card, right? No, no savvy, no savvy. Yeah. He was he was not offered a contract. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The only real thing I have to say about this is that Peter Avalon did a promo where, because I don't know if I mentioned it, but the. Uh, you know, what was that? The initiative, that team, they broke up. Peter Avalon turned on Brandon Cutler. So, uh, but but Peter Avalon, I know this is it's almost as shocking as Bailey. Uh, but uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is Avalon did a promo where he claims he's not enhancement talent. So that just shows you where they're at intellectually with their uh, presentation. Mm. Shouldn't... Um, like, what do you mean enhancement talent? Enhancing what? Uh, that, that, that only makes sense if you're talking about wrestling being fake. It doesn't make sense any other way. Uh, so, unfortunately, Peter Avalon doesn't know that. He could All have right. said he's more, he's more than just a good hand. <laughs> yeah, anything like that. Don't say it. I make it real simple. I, I spell it out easily. It's, a, it's all in black and white. It's very simple. There's no gray area. Don't use terminology on your show, period. Don't use it. No insider terms on your show. Don't even say heel. Don't say it. Say bad guy. Say villain. Say whatever you want. Don't say heel. Don't say enhancement talent. Don't say anything that would allude that these matches aren't real because, uh, well, I don't, you know why. Uh, so all out. We're going to all out. They went all out for all out. Um, now, here's what we're going to do for all out, Sergio. I'm going to sort of run down the card a little bit. And I don't really have a lot. So you can just, you know, I'll let you take the lead on everything. And then um, I'll just add my two cents at the end before we move on to the next match. Uh, but the first thing I have to say is that Izzy is in the building here. So she no is. Way. Yep. Yep. I've got photographic evidence of Izzy. In Daly's place. That's right. Um, so, future superstar Izzy making her first venture to another promotion that's not under the umbrella of WWE, but she wasn't going to miss her chance to see live wrestling. Uh, and that's what you call a true fan. All right. So, we're going to start with the tooth and nail match. So, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, nothing special. The one thing I liked about AEW and this card is like every match kind of had a gimmick or some kind of stipulation or some kind of stakes. So, I mean, 
you know, they fought in the doctor's office. Nothing spectacular, but I appreciate that it was different. You know, it was just they remind me. Vince Russo buries the buries the company in the show a lot, but I almost feel like a lot of the way they book lately is, is kind of to me. It kind of reminds me of that old Vince Russo WCW style, which I was a very big fan of. Yeah, kind of like exactly what he would do. Yeah, you know, everything's a gimmick. Every you know, everyone has a character uh, kind of thing. You know, to a, to a, to a, to a degree. Um, yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I know what you mean about that because even though some of the reasons that he explains um, why these things aren't working the way they should, I just feel like he doesn't realize that if he was doing exactly what he did um, back when he was in WCW or whatever and trying to do that on AEW now, it wouldn't have he wouldn't just automatically get those 2.5 million viewers and stuff that he used to have or 3 million viewers just because he's doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's not like it's equivalent to these times, but they're just as bad. You know, if you're doing, if you're doing Judy Bagwell on a forklift and all this other stuff in 20, in 2020, that's not going to, that's not going to work any better. You know, it's just, yeah. Um, my only question for this is, um, is this a match anyone can have? The tooth and nail match, I mean? Like, could, could say, like, uh, Brian Cage and Lance Archer, could they have a fight uh, in Britt Baker's office? And does it have to be in Britt Baker's office? Like, so I'm just saying, if you challenge somebody to a tooth and nail match, does it have to be in Britt's office, or can you use any dentist's office? Those are just the that's, only questions I really had about it. That's a good question. Yeah, I guess time will tell, as you like to say. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we'll go to the main. Well, this is the main card. Actually, that was supposed to be on the 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 buy-in. There was a match on the buy-in. It was Joey Janela and Serpentico. Yeah, I'm glad too because I was making food and stuff, and I wanted to watch the tooth and nail match, uh, but I wasn't quite ready. So they had yeah Janela versus Serpentico. They had a private party versus Dark Order. I was like, okay, I don't I don't need to watch these matches. Especially the Joey Janela match. Huh. Yeah, that ain't gonna that ain't gonna make somebody buy your show. That's gonna make somebody not buy your show. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I'm like, wouldn't you show something good if someone's on the fence? But maybe the idea is people already made up their minds if you're gonna buy the show or not. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, you can't just that is probably true, but you still can't assume that. You still have to you still have to operate under the premise that you could get somebody excited about it at the last minute you know yeah. it doesn't matter if you do or not you got to act like you do um all right so anyway then we after that we got the the bucks the young bucks versus jurassic park take it away a uh, good match kind of what you expect you know kind of what we see on dynamite a lot the one thing that stood out to me was i liked when one of the uh i guess it was match accent i loved how he uh, kicked the crutch out of uh out of uh, Marco Stunt, and almost you know it just looked kind of heelish, you know. They you know they lost, he lost her temper. They they ended up winning the match. I don't know if they get a tag team title shot now or, or what's going on. I mean, I'm not saying they turn heel or anything, but I did like that they showed some attitude. Well, they're more heelish than Roman Reigns. I mean, they kicked <laughs> the, they they kicked the crutch out of a small boy's hand. He didn't even fall, by the way. Um, now did he? Wait, wait to sell he, it, Marco. Yeah, 
Did Marco do something to deserve that? Did he like interfere at all? I don't remember. No. So they're just being dicks. Okay. Even better. Yeah. Uh, now is is his foot like is that a shoot injury or is that just selling something Jake Hager did? You know, I haven't read anything on it. I'm gonna assume it's a shoot injury. But you know, commentary's not even putting it over, so yeah, it must be a shoot then, yeah. Yeah. Um did I ever say how much Luchasaurus sucks? <laughs> yeah, a lot I, I like I think I think it's all right. But yeah, a lot of people do show him. Who is it? Russo, Conan, all those guys. They don't they don't like his leg slaps. You did mention how he does kind of move in slow motion, which is kind of weird. Super slow motion, bro. It's like talk about a guy you can see his wheels spinning. Like it, it's it's just like, dude, I gotta get my spot in. You know, just that's it. He just is fucking sucks, bro. Um and yeah, and, and the Young Bucks, this was like one of their better matches because they kind of like uh just toned it down a little bit and were just concentrating more on being dicks. Um, but they still were like there's just there's things I see as a tag team wrestler that I just look at. And I'm like, how does nobody like they they go to the trouble of drawing the ref and like and, and they have like uh, Luchasaurus come in and, and try to get in so that the ref goes over to try to put him back out. And then they just don't do anything. They just both stand there while Jungle Boy is selling and they're, they're not double teaming him. They're not doing anything to for the there's no point in drawing the ref if you're not going to cheat. So you're just wasting everybody's time. You're just standing around. They literally did nothing. I was very just like, guys, come on. But, hey, whatever it is, a Young Bucks match. So um, anything else about that one? No, that was it for that match. Okay, next is Casino Battle Royale. Oh, boy. This is a, this is a fun one. Go ahead, Serge. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know. It was a friend of mine made a joke about uh, the debut of Matt Seidel being similar to the Shockmaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was well, unfortunate. Uh, big botch. Um, it was unfortunate. Luckily, he was it was safe. Uh, Matt Seidel, nice guy. You were there when he got signed, right? OVW. No, I never. Was no. that after you? Okay. I I never knew if he. I can't even remember if he was there. Yeah, no. Yeah, he was there. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. But I heard uh, someone was saying that uh, that outdoor event was like super duper humid, and that's why you slipped. Like everyone was just overly sweaty. The ropes were really wet. Um, I don't know. But yeah. So the other than that, I mean, you know, it was what it was. Battle Royal. Uh, I was hoping for some kind of debut. I was, oh, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe Rusev might show up or something. Um, that didn't happen, which is fine. Um, Lance Archer wins. Not really much of a surprise. Uh, just another guy to feed to, uh, you know, to Moxley. I think JR called him Lance Hoyt. Did you hear that? He did. He did call him that once, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, J- Jim Ross does not care anymore at all. Like, he completely doesn't care about anything anymore. He's just He's just goofing off. Um, Dude, that uh, that power bomb uh, that Cage hit Darby Allen with to the outside was kind of cringeworthy because I couldn't see how well he landed, you know. But it was cool, cool idea, you know. 
uh, thumbtacks in the body bag, powerbombing to the outside of the ring. I liked it, uh, but it did look kind of uh, made me cringe a little bit. Well, you know, this is never anything that we learned in uh, wrestling training, but I think when you do the spot where you put a guy in a body bag with thumbtacks and throw him over the top rope, um, I believe you're supposed to put the guy in the body bag first, then add the tacks, right? And not pour the tacks in the bag and then get half of them all over the place trying to put the guy in the body bag afterwards so everybody else has to step on and land on tacks. Just my thought. I've never done it before, though, like I said, so I could be talking about Yeah, so I didn't, know, I didn't notice that. I think who was it? Will Hobbs? Somebody, somebody took a bump on the thumbtacks, which I don't think was supposed to happen. It was unfortunate because I can only imagine how painful that must be. <laughs> yeah, so stupid. Um, all right. Uh, moving on. Um, broken rules match. Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Well, there's really only one thing to say about this, so I'll let you say it. Man, dude, that, that bump that Hardy took was nasty. Uh, he clearly hit his head hard. And, uh, and the, you know, Audrey Edwards stopped the match. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is a shoot, you know? And then they restarted the match. And then I'm like, oh, it was this is a fucking work. Um, but then I realized, no, this everything we saw was legit, you know? Um, so apparently the, the story is Matt went back to the back. They, the doctor checked him real quick, and the doctor said he was, you know, ready to finish. And, you know, when you're concussed, you don't know what the fuck's going on, you know? So I'm sure Matt was like, yeah, I got to finish the match. Let's do this. And they did. Uh uh, you know, um, so that's that, but, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say, bro? It's what, what made any of this necessary? I mean, this was like within the first couple of minutes of the match that they're already up on a scissor lift, jumping off onto tables and when they end up finishing the match, it's like they climb up some scaffolding and Sam Guevara falls onto this place that was clearly like, uh, you know, an area that he was supposed to land on, you know, like one of those gimmicked platforms. So that means that that original table spot wasn't even going to be the finish. And they were still going to go and do, do God knows what else for uh, however long? I mean, the, the pay-per-view was already like three and three quarters of an hour. So this this could have been a four-hour pay-per-view if they got to do the whole match that they wanted. Uh, so I would have just said, hey, if this, if, this, if this is a shoot stoppage where Aubrey calls for it, and just let that be it, you know? I'm sure yeah. I'm sure some people will be disappointed, but a lot more people are mad that it went on than they were happy that it continued. So if she would have stopped it, hypothetically speaking, wouldn't that make Matt Hardy the loser? Because... Yeah, but but that's that's the out though. Because he didn't because he didn't lose by the terms of the match. The match is a last man standing match. So he can always come back and say you know, just because just because she stopped the match doesn't mean that I lost the match. So that that's your way out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they, they may have learned something moving forward. They might approach things differently. But I didn't think it was a huge deal. Uh, I saw Matt's wife 
on Twitter. Now, if, if, I thought she was burying the company, but I, the funny thing is, she was actually burying Matt. She was like, "Did you see that? You see, you see, you see her tweet?" Yeah, but tell the people anyway because they didn't. Something like, uh, "There's two people to blame. Number one is Matt. So I'm glad she did that. And then number two, you can take a guess, and I'm pretty sure she's uh, probably referencing Tony Khan. Um, so I'm glad. You know, I know uh, Rebby has been known to really shoot." on Twitter and just kind of be, you know, she's a feisty one. Uh, so I'm glad she didn't, you know, make Matt look too bad, but really shoot hard in the company. I don't know. Well, they're also trying to say that he came to the back and cleared concussion protocols. It's like he was back there for like three minutes, dude. There's no concussion protocols you could have cleared. And then they said that he went to the hospital and didn't have a concussion. She's like, he won thousand for instance, had a concussion. <laughs> So she's like she's not she she's countering everything that they're trying to put out, PR wise. Um, but you know, look, it's Matt Hardy. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. Uh, everybody already knows how I feel about Jeff Hardy. I don't feel any. I don't feel much different about Matt. As far as I'm concerned, they're two backyard wrestlers that took it way too far, and I really don't have any sympathy for him or anything. Um, so th- this is the kind of dumb shit he wants to do. You you think that he come up with all this character driven stuff in the later part of his career, so he wouldn't have to do this kind of thing anymore? And yet here he is, like falling off a scissor lift onto concrete, you know, at forty some years old or whatever he is, when he's supposed to have characters, you know. But now, but then he took the characters away, and he's just going to be Matt Hardy. So what is Matt Hardy? Matt Hardy's nothing. So you got to well, jump the- off jump off scissor lifts and land on concrete now. Well, that's the irony. Is I think isn't, I think I thought that's why he left WWE is because he didn't have that creative freedom that he had, like a TNA, for example. But now he has it in AEW, and he's just doing the Matt Hardy stuff again. So maybe I don't know. It's kind of funny. Yeah, he makes a point to come out and say, "I'm just going to be just Matt Hardy now." Like, okay, great, very creative of you. And by the way, um, <laughs> by the way, before he ever jumped off any scissor lifts. He had to run across the room to attack uh, Sammy Guevara. And let me tell you, Matt Hardy running is Joey Janela level of athleticism. Um, so not to pile on, but that's basically yeah, all Matt, I got to say there. Yeah, Matt, uh, he, he kind of runs weird. I've noticed when he hits the ropes and stuff, he's got like a, I don't know. I don't know if his legs are shaped funny. Or... No, it's because he'd been jumping off the top rope doing that leg drop and fucked his hips all up. Yeah, that's why. Weird. Um, speaking of hips, we got the women's title match next. Sergio, yeah, good match as I expected. Uh, I guess you can assume Cheetah was in the win, but you know, I still didn't quite know all the way. But yeah, good match. Uh, I like both girls. I wonder what the future for TNA holds, and and a lot of the rest. I'd like to see Thunder Rose in AEW, but you know, I wonder what's happening over there. I assume you mean NWA? A- NWA, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But they clearly have a working relationship as of now, so yeah, we'll good. see. Uh, yeah, yeah this match, ma- I don't really have anything in particular to say, but yeah. Yeah, this match was not a terrible match, but it wasn't great. It was, uh, you can tell, you can tell the difference when Thunder Rosa is working with somebody like Sheeta, who's got her own particular way of doing things, which is she's not as seasoned as some of the other Japanese workers of her uh, her caliber, or I mean, not her caliber, but her um, 
we'll say age group or whatever. I don't know. She just seems more, a little bit softer. I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to describe it. It's not as precise and fundamentally sound as a lot of Japanese wrestlers are, especially that have been doing it for so long. Uh, when they start, when they're like single digit age training and stuff like that. But um, she should definitely sell more and hairbrush less. That's my notes here. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Thunder Rosa didn't look nearly as good in this match. And that just has to, everything to do with Serena making everybody look like the best they've ever looked. And Sheeta's just the other half of a match they're putting together. You know, like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Thunder Rosa's like, yeah, okay, I want to do this, 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 and this. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kip and Penelope are getting engaged. Uh, and there was a funny little jab at WWE, like you were saying, um, with Brody Lee, where Kip promoted his Twitch channel and it, the little graphic on the screen said, this message has been approved by AEW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. So. So, uh, so Kip's hyping up. Who his best man's gonna be like? It's gonna be some kind of surprise. So I'm curious right. as to as to, as to what that's all about. Oh, maybe we know. We know. Maybe that'll know be it's not Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, oh, I know. Uh, so uh, next up, we got Dark Order versus Four Guys. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I actually thought the match was all right. Uh, I, I that was pretty good, better than I expected. Uh, I didn't really necessarily care, but uh. I like how Anna Jay got, got involved and her and Brandy, you know, did their thing. I thought it was cool. Um, so I guess the story here is what there's friction between Cabana and, and Brody Lee. It looks like uh, so they abandoned him, but but Evil Uno kind of, you know, helped Cabana out. So I don't know what's happening there, but we will see tonight. Yeah. So um, I was thinking as I was watching this, uh, this could have been left off the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> they could have used this for TV or even better yet, the buy-in. Like instead of those, instead of private party and a couple of Dark Order jobbers, they could have had this as like the lead-in, especially since it ended up sort of going somewhere. Mm. What if, uh, here's a question. What if no one did a dive? What would happen? Would everybody get upset and demand their money back? I mean, like, just just what if, what if there was a match where nobody did a dive? You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a crazy idea, I know. But like, hey, that that sounds like a future AEW stipulation match. Yeah, like a no dives match. That, yeah, I could see it working. Uh, it might get over. Um, and my other note here is that the hospitalization clothesline didn't work on the old Rhodes brother. So, huh? Yeah, I guess it's, I guess that only works on younger Rhodes brothers, uh, where it sends you to the hospital on a neck brace. Um, so moving on now, this is your, uh, I, I know that you just absolutely just love and um, I'm barely being facetious here. This you just love this storyline and all this buildup, but we're finally here <laughs> for the tag the tag team title match for uh, FTR versus Hang Mega. So talk about it. 
Yeah, I remember liking the match, but I remember thinking it wasn't as great as I was expecting it to be. Not that it wasn't good, but I just had really high expectations. Uh, I'm trying to remember the finish here. So, um, so Kenny hits Paige with a V trigger on accident. Uh, let's see here. Then FTR hits the double team on Omega to win the titles. Um, and I guess Paige was gonna, or Omega was gonna attack Paige, but didn't. But why would he attack Paige if he's the one that accidentally hit Paige? I'm trying to remember the details. Well, shoot, if you don't remember, I certainly can't be bothered to remember. This yeah. is your favorite thing in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is one of my favorite angles right now, for sure. So they're not officially broken up. Um, I, I guess there's some friction. You know, we'll we'll find out where the story's headed. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. I care. All right. Well, as for the match, it was okay at first, and then it was just long for no reason. Like there was really the it, the fact of it being long, I felt like they they had to do that just so it felt more important. But it didn't really have to be as long as it was for what they ended up doing. There could have been a way that the match was this long and it could have been good, but I don't think anybody involved knows how to do that. I mean, look, just because Hangman and Kenny are in a tag team doesn't mean they are a tag team or know about tag teams. And for whatever reason, I don't think FTR was going to just take over the entire thing and come up with it all on their, you know, on their own without any input from the other guys. So they probably had to compromise a little bit. But I've been on record as saying I think FTR is overrated. And I definitely think that stuff like this proves it. Um, and just in terms of the matches. Now, as for the creative aspects of it, I just have one question, which is, you know, at the end, Omega walks off and leaves Paige there. Then he's walking through the back. They follow him the whole time. They follow him from the ring. He comes back through the curtain and the camera's there. They follow him walking to the parking lot. The young bucks come up to him and he's talking to them and they're trying to convince him to stay and talk. And he's already, Omega's already got his uh, SUV in the, in the parking lot waiting. It's got a little Omega symbol on it. So, you know, it's his. Um, and he's already, and his, his, his driver's there, you know, with the engine warmed up and everything ready to go. Uh, and he just kind of takes off and leaves the young bucks there. Um, my question is what if they had won? So you mean to tell me you had your driver waiting in the, in the parking lot? Cause there was no time for him to like, you couldn't, there was no, he didn't get on his phone and say, Hey, get the car ready. Uh, he just walked straight out to the parking lot and was there and it was ready to go. So is that, was that the plan? Even if they won, he was going to just walk out there. That's all I want to know. And we still don't know that you can't answer that for me. And he's not going to stick around and watch the main event. No, I guess not, man. I guess he's famous. Well, you know, what, what would John Cena think? If he saw yeah. Kenny Omega do that. Uh, all right. Now here we are at the, the Mimosa mayhem match. Um, very hyped up match. Uh, unique. Also another stipulation. Uh, how did the Mimosa Mayhem match play out in terms of, you know, what your hopes and dreams were? Man, I don't even think I was paying attention. I didn't care about this match. Like, oh. like as I mentioned about the stipulations, I'll, I'll give AEW credit. Like, not that I, I, I definitely don't want to see this match, but they at least, okay, it's a Mimosa Mayhem match. Okay, that sounds interesting. So there's some intrigue there just like the tooth and nail match. 
so that's one of the things I do appreciate that AEW does is they're they're pretty creative and and, and doing some different things, you know. But I guess Orange Cassidy won, which I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, I just don't see him being this this big star that, that I guess they think that he's going to be. Well, just you wait till he's the man that takes the belt off John Moxley, huh? And then oh, you'll look gosh. pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they seem to be really they seem to be really high on like Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen. I don't know, man. And like you know, you know, Jericho is not really a big guy, dude. Orange Cassidy looks like a kid next to Jericho. It makes me wonder just how small is Orange Cassidy. He's got to be like five six or something. Yeah, not a large man. No. And Jericho's even more, like he may not be tall, but he's also extra bloated too. So he's got that extra mass on him. Yeah, he's got a weird physique because he's like he's like chubby, but he has abs, so it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happens when you have um, like fat around your internal organs. Uh, this was just yeah. I mean, you know. You're, you're, this is a match where you throw somebody into a pool to win, and they even actually added the pin and submission stipulation as if that was ever going to happen, or anybody thought that would happen. Um, but it was just, it was, it was. I mean, it was all right. It, it wasn't long, at least. It really couldn't be. Uh, but just even, even that, there's still just some shit like, like Jericho has Orange in the powerbomb position, and he's like holding him right over the pool. And Orange Cassidy starts punching him to fight out of it. And so Chris Jericho just turns like 90 degrees and throws him through a table. Well, you could have just thrown him straight down and you would have won. But instead, you exerted extra effort to turn around holding this guy up to do the same exact thing. So just shit like that. It's like, why am I talking about psychology in a match where you throw somebody in a pool of mimosa? But here I am anyway. Um, so then we had the uh, the main event. The title match was Maxwell Jacob Friedman going to finally be the man to defeat uh, the great John Moxley, the invincible John Moxley. Um, well, what happened here, Sergio? Hey, so I called the finish, huh? Remember last week? Yes. Yeah, so you know, so if, you know, good match, but of course, you know, Moxley hits the paradigm shift behind the rest back, retains the title. Uh, yeah, it was a good match. I was I was a little bummed out in the finish, being because what? Well, because because Moxley still won the, he's still the champ. I, I thought I thought MJF could have had a good run. Well, maybe he will one day. Yeah, one day. It doesn't have to be the- now, but they kind of did a lot to make MJF in this match way more than they did to make John Moxley in this match. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, what I noticed about this match is that every time that that idiot Bryce Remsburg, the referee would ask Moxley about his hurt arm. Remsburg would grab his own arm. Like he's pantomiming just like, how's your arm? And he's grabbing his own arm. Like, like we don't do you really need to do that, bro? Is that is that in any way realistic of what, what you would be doing? But it's just of course it's not realistic. Nothing's realistic about any of this stuff, but it's just still annoying to me that these referees are just so 
fucking terrible. Like just and this I bet you I I bet you didn't see this. You know how when a heel will go for a pin and the guy will kick out and then he'll hold up the three fingers to the referee like arguing yeah. and then the and then the the referee will be like two, you know, and he's like three, you know, like they're arguing, right? So Max holds up the Do you know where I'm going with this already? Is that why you're laughing? No. I, I'm okay. laughing on how on how cliche pro wrestling that is. Right. Well, this is one of those things where if MJF does it, it's fine because he's a he's a traditionalist. Okay, so he's like three. The referee's like arguing with them, saying two, and Max like hold he he keeps holding up the three and arguing, and Remsburg walks past walks past him, and grabs his hand, grabs Max's hand, and like puts one of his fingers down to make two. And just continues on with the match. Like, <laughs> like, who in the fuck do you think you are? You know, who do these fuckers think they are trying to get over? You're not over, dude. You're a fucking idiot referee in a fucking idiot wrestling company. You don't touch the wrestlers for any reason. The referee doesn't touch the wrestler. Even that spot where Ric Flair would, like, shove the ref, or you know, and then they'd shove him and he'd fall down or something like that. That was fucking yeah. stupid back then. You know? I used, to, I used to always pop for that, actually. I mean, it was funny when we were kids, but like, still, you don't touch, you don't touch the wrestler. Yeah, back. I don't know if you can do that now. Back then, I remember thinking it was funny, but now it'd be kind of silly. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was all out. Um, any final thoughts? Anything we didn't cover? No, that was it. I thought overall it was a pretty good pay-per-view. I mean, we didn't really get any big cliffhanger or any, like, big surprise. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big AEW fan, so. You did get a big cliffhanger. You got, you don't know what's going to happen with uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And you also uh, got a big surprise. You got Matt Seidel coming out compared to the Shockmaster. You know when Matt when Matt Seidel debuted with WWE, he was kind of different then. But I feel like now we have everyone's a Matt Seidel, you know. <laughs> kind of. Well, the, what stands out about Matt Seidel as opposed to other people is that he works pretty snug. Uh, most guys that flip around like him don't. So he does have that, and there's only a few. There's a few guys like that, you know, like a. Uh, I would say a, a pack is a guy like that where he works. He, everything he does looks very good, but he also does flippy things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't throw a pack to me. is still different to me. Matt Seidel is like, you know, he's no different from, you know, I don't know. Mustafa Ali, you know, no, he is. It, he is. I mean, he is he's, for the exact reason I said, because when those guys throw punches and chops and, kicks and things that just looks fake and when matt side does it he lays it in and it looks good you know that's the biggest yeah, difference yeah. in terms of the way they work matches not really yeah true mm, but uh yeah and as for as for him being compared to the Shockmaster, well here's the thing the Shockmaster was never going to be anything you know it was just a fat guy in a stormtrooper helmet covered in glitter Matt Seidel could have been something at least. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
So that's where we're at with that. All right, well, uh, let's talk about Raw. Uh, hey, Drew McIntyre's jaw seems okay. Huh? And he got a new job as an ambulance driver. What, what do you think? It's funny because... So I like to see how my nine-year-old, my nine-year-old reacts when he watches wrestling. He likes Raw. He, he said he, he hates AEW. He calls them noobs. And I think visually, visually, when you watch AEW, they're all kind of small guys. Because my son's always gravitated towards like Braun Strowman, John Cena, and Ryback. He's mm-hmm. larger than life guys. So I've been, so you know, so the ambulance comes out. And I'm like, all right, it's, it's it's Drew McIntyre, you know, whatever, you know, obviously. And they my hit his music. Don't forget that they hit his music when he comes out of the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. My son's watching it. And he's like really intrigued. What's happening? And then Drew comes out, and he's like. He's like, oh, it's Drew McIntyre. He's getting all excited. So it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, Drew's over with him. And I bet if he's still in the crowd, he'd probably, he'd probably be pretty over right now. I don't know. But, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm getting off topic here, but I'm always intrigued by who he's intrigued by because I think he's kind of like what, you know, just the general audience of kids would probably be liking at the same time, you know? They're the ones who all this is really for. Yeah, yeah. My only thing is just because kids like it doesn't mean you have to make it excruciatingly painful for adults. (laughs) It should be something that adults don't care if they watch or not. It shouldn't be something that they hate watching or that they used to and they just can't anymore because you pushed them away. You know what I mean? It's like if you ever take your son to see some movie that he wants to see and you really don't, but then you end up liking it because it's a good movie. Could be like any of the Marvel movies or the Pixar type movies and stuff like that. Like those are made with adults in mind. They're made by adults. Obviously it's not a bunch of kids making it, but you know, those movies are good because they know how to entertain everybody. They know how to reach the kids of today and they know how to reach the kids that we all still are inside sometimes as adults. Um, Yeah. hundred percent. I've seen, I've seen plenty of those. Yeah. Yeah. But the WWE is the opposite. It's like they, they, they have the, the adults there have the mentality of children, but it's only, they're only children that have only watched the WWE their entire life and no other TV, movies, or any other forms of entertainment. You know, like you can tell that Vince McMahon doesn't watch anything because he doesn't know what's good. Otherwise, he'd incorporate some of that stuff into his shows. All he knows yeah. is the stuff that he's already done in the past. Exactly. He doesn't even know what a movie is. The famous, the famous story of Scott Hall having to explain to him what Scarface was. You know, it's just like, you know, what do you expect? So anyway. Um, so there, uh, let's see. Hurt Business beats up a janitor and then they attack Cedric before the match and they knock him off the apron during the match. And I guess that was enough to change his mind because shocking swerve. Sergio, what happens? Yeah, Cedric Alexander turns heel, joins the Hurt Business. To me, like... Oh, you don't sound too excited. Well, <laughs> I was hoping he was going to join. It would have made sense he would have joined at SummerSlam. You know, MVP was getting in his ear the week before. Hurt Business was banned from ringside when MVP was wrestling Apollo. That would have been perfect for for uh, Cedric to come out and cost Apollo the match and join the Hurt Business then. But now they do this. One of the... one of the To me, it's like cliche pro wrestling. You know, where when someone turns heel, it's like, all right, well, her business just beat him up, and now he's just gonna join them. 
And it's just like, to me, it was just phony, like poor execution. Like, they could have done that a million other ways. Like, do you agree? Of course I agree. <laughs> Who are you asking? Well, everything about this was terrible. Like, At the very I, least. I, I, well, I guess the idea being that they, they beat some sense into him, but they didn't even do that right. It'd be one thing if they, like, jumped him before the match. And then, like, as he's coming down the, as he's coming down the ramp, you just see this look on his face, like he's just, like he's just done. And then someone just goes to, goes to tag, you know, goes to tag him, and he just like leaves or something like that, or, or whatever. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't let a guy punch you in the face, then all of a sudden just be hugging him and high fiving him like two seconds later. No, no, or he could, he could have been laid out in the back, but nobody saw what happened. You know, yeah. Apollo and uh, they're attending to him. Uh, you know, go on, do the match without me. You know, mid-match, you know, here comes out Cedric Alexander, the, you know, the limping baby face with a big heart. And then he can just turn there, you know? So they also, didn't really... also cliche and terrible, but still better. <laughs> At least they didn't beat him up, you know? It was a setup. But, uh, you know, I'll give him credit, though. At least Shelton doesn't fully trust him yet. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, Cedric, you know, is he, is, he, uh, is he a plant, you know, you know, disguised on the inside? Does he really want to join them? So I'll give him a little bit of credibility with that. But then, but then if that's the case, that he beat up Ricochet. <laughs> so so what's the plan? It's like, all right, you got to beat me up out there so they'll believe you. You know, like, are they really going to go with that? That's corny too. Whatever <laughs> they do, it's going to be bad. You know that. Like, there's no there's no good ending to any of this. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a big... I like what they... Because I think, you know, Lashley's good. You know, Shelton is very good. I think they were perfect for Hurt Business because they're entertaining and they're doing something good with these guys. But Cedric, to me, I, I don't know. I'm like, eh, I've never been a big Cedric Alexander fan. I don't think this is really going to do anything for him like it would do for like a Big E or somebody who, you know, might have, you know, more potential, you know, in my opinion. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I just don't feel like Big E's a fit because his personality is too wacky. So if he turns it, if he just turns into another angry yelling guy, that's good. He doesn't really fit with those, with those three guys. Like the whole, the whole premise of those guys is athletes, you know, like Bobby Lashley's, uh, you know, wrestler, mixed martial artist, whatever MVP was like, his gimmick was, he was good at every sport that he played. Um, and you know, Sheldon Benjamin collegiate wrestler, you know, trained Brock Lesnar, all this other stuff, you know, all that. And then big E, which is like, Oh, this is the guy that gyrates his hips and um, has unicorns on his tights and just well, he's, he's a he's a he's a legit strong man and an incredible athlete, and he can work on that. I I I'd, I'd want to take away his goofy stuff, you know. But then, he, but then he's not different, you know. The goofy stuff makes him him being goofy is entertaining and it works as a it works as a babyface gimmick. Uh, as a heel, Biggie, that was boring. That's the heel, that's the Big E that nobody remembers. The one with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee where he was the Intercontinental fucking champion. How many times I got to say it? You don't oh, want no, this. Oh, no. I remember. But if you put Lashley and Shelton Benjamin on their own, I'm not going to say they're necessarily boring, but they're kind of missing a little something. So I think if you put the boring heel Big E in that group, then it kind of all the elements kind of come together and I think you get a better... Just like, just like we have a better Shelton and a, and a better... Lashley now, I think we get a better Big E. I think the Hurt Business is holding Lashley down, and 
Shelton, it's good, but there's just some like that. Now you're just adding too many people. And Cedric Cedric Alexander is now the fourth person. That's it's starting to get a little. Eh, he's not really on those levels. You know what I mean? We're talking about a 205 guy against some legit main eventers here. Well, they haven't pushed Shelton like a main eventer, but he easily could have been if they had done things differently. I don't know. We don't have time to debate this. We'll have to debate this on another show. Let's I mean, move on. I, for, I forget just how good Shelton is. So seeing him in, in her business, seeing him do matches now, I'm like, man, I forgot. Like He's really good you know, in the ring. Yeah, you forgot. No one else forgot. I didn't forget. Uh, but the biggest issue of the week, I'm sure, of all the things that happened this week, this is the one you had the biggest issue, and that is the SmackDown Tag Team Champions appear on Raw. I'm, I'm sure you probably decided <coughs> Delete this off your recording right, right, right then and there. Um, but what did uh, a commentary put it over? What, what are they calling it again? The the something invitational quarterly brand invitational. Something. I'm like, all right. Well, not wild card rule. Quarterly yeah. brand invitational. Well, you didn't do it last quarter, so why is it the quarterly? Uh, yeah, just whatever. I'm, you know what I've noticed that there was like, I, I got this prevailing feeling like they're, it seems like they're wrapping up things a little bit too early, almost as if night of champions was going to be on Sunday, but instead we've got two more weeks. So you've got these matches all set already. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like they're going home early. Do you know what I mean? Did you get that sense? Yeah. 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 I, I get it. Yeah. So, Oh wait, clash, clash of the champions, right? Oh, so are, are they going to be doing uh, – well, it'll be Drew and Randy. Uh, are they going to be doing cross-brand stuff more? So, like, what, what would that mean? It would be MVP versus uh, – no, I guess not. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're probably going to do Sami Zayn and, uh, and Jeff Hardy. All right, well, that's probably the only match then with the crossing brands. Well, who knows? Who knows? There's still two weeks left. Well, yeah, we got, we got Roman and the Uso. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So did you see this thing where, um, Ricochet clearly kicked out, um, even though the ref counted to three? Yeah. Yeah. Total botch. Well, yeah. Well, but, but botch on who, what happened? Uh, so it that had to be the that... ref. It had to be the ref. Cause he, he, had... he knew he counted to three and he saw his shoulder up. He saw him kick out. So, well, that move that Cedric hit Ricochet with isn't his finisher, right? That nope. wasn't a lumbar check. Nope. So, and Ricochet kicked out like he was supposed to kick out. I almost mm-hmm. wonder if I almost wonder if the ref, the ref, thought he counted the three when he wasn't supposed to, and therefore had to had to shoot and make it the three counts. I don't know. So I noticed something that I could be I could be mistaken, but I noticed. Uh, cause I ran it back just to see like what happened at first. And I noticed the referee saying to, to, uh, I think it was Cedric Alexander. He was like raising his hand as the winner and Cedric looked a little bit, you know, not, not a hundred percent confused, but definitely it wasn't right. And it looked like I could be again wrong, but the, it looked like the referee said, "Like there's no time" or something like that, as if as if they they had to cut it short and go home early because uh, 
they're like they they went long or something so he just he just counted a three anyway to get the match over with <laughs> yeah it'd be strange which yeah. if that's the if that's the case we would see that a lot more often right because <laughs> there's a lot of times when guys go over their time um well, if that was true, then um, my suggestion is maybe cut out the second replay of Drew kicking Randy Orton. Uh, you know, cut the cut the time there, especially since it's going to happen again soon. Like they must have showed between live and replays, they must have showed Randy Orton get kicked like 15 times that night. Oh, hey, you notice they replayed the kick that uh, Matt Jackson made fun of. They replayed it. Did they? Yeah, the one that was like phony looking. From the wrong angle, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, so Orton got kicked into oblivion that night, I guess as retribution, pun intended, for everything else that, um, you know, he'd been doing to Drew McIntyre. So they loaded him into the ambulance, and uh, Pad Buck was there, loading him in the ambulance, and he closed the door on the ambulance. But I think as he was closing the door, he was really groping the door. Like if yeah. you look closely. So he even vehicles out, aren't safe. Door handle. Yeah, even vehicles aren't safe around Pat Buck. So, um, but I, I'm out of notes here. So if there's anything else you want to talk about um, that's noteworthy, I mean, there's definitely some things we could talk about. But I, I like just... how they I like how they booked the Keith Lee Orton match. Uh, how they. Uh... They made Keith Lee kind of strong, not not being able to take the RKO. Finally, he did get hit with it. So I thought it was good because Orton was going to win, but he didn't because of Drew McIntyre. And at the same time, Keith Lee didn't lose. So I thought that was booked pretty smart. Yeah. Um, other than that, so like on the Raw Underground, like I thought it was going to be its own thing. I'm not a big fan of like, okay, Aleister Black and, and Kevin Owens are going to be on are going to be on Raw Underground cuz they're going to have a a regular match eventually. So, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of that. And I guess the Bubba Tunde guy, they they think they changed his name, but I'm going to assume he's probably on the main roster now or is going to be. You mean Papa Kato? Yeah, Baba Kato. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know, man. What about um Oh, what about Ivar hurting his neck doing that dive? Uh, so I actually I kind of skimmed through that match. I didn't see that dive. Did he? Did he legit hurt himself? Yes. <clears throat> oh, that sucks. Well, I just thought, I just thought he. Uh, it looked like he didn't make it all the way through. <coughs> like like his foot got caught on the rope or something, and he just kind of fell. But oh, apparently, he had a cervical injury. But it didn't look it didn't look bad. Like when I first saw it, it didn't look bad. I found out later they got hurt. So, and then when I went back and watched it after I found out he got hurt, I still wasn't sure how he got hurt. He just, this is like what they got. This is what the guys do all the time. They just dive through the ropes for no reason. So, yeah. Oh, retribution promo. So, I think it's safe to say that whoever was on the screen, that's, that's going to be the group. Uh, and the main guy cutting the promo was clearly Dajakovic because he has a pretty distinctive voice. Well, there's, the there other, was three guys. So which one was the main one? There was, or, uh, I mean, there was two guys that talked. Uh, I would assume Dijakovic, just the way he was positioned, he was in the middle. And that was he, the and last. He, that was the last guy that talked. That was Dijak. Yeah, that was Dijak. Yeah, 
Who was uh, the first guy? I have no idea. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, figure out the voice. I almost thought it was. I almost thought it was Mojo Raleigh. I read some about Mojo. That didn't sound like Mojo's voice. Um, well, they had a voice like like they had like a. It was like they had a voice changer on. No, they did. But Mojo's another one who's got kind of a distinctive voice. Um, so I don't know. I, I I would hope Mojo's not one of the guys, but who knows? Uh, but I wonder. There was a guy that was taller than than Dijak, and I don't know who the I don't know Dio Madden. Um, I wonder who that guy's gonna be. Yeah, there's guys that's taller than him. Also, the way they were standing, he could have been there to look taller. Uh, it just yeah. depends, but but it looks like Dijak- and, and Mia Yim was there again. That was her for yeah. sure. Yeah, it looks like Dijakovic is being positioned to be the leader. I think, uh, which I like because you know we talked about him before. Um, He's, you know, as good as he is, you know, he's one of those guys that would just get lost in the shuffle. But now, you know, whether you, whether or not you like this gimmick, at least it's a gimmick that's going to put Dijakovic in the upper card and having good match because he can have good matches with anybody. You know, is so it, I think. Is it going to put him in the upper card, though? They don't even seem like an upper card gimmick now. They had this one I, thing, they had this one thing like late in the show. For like a couple minutes and it's just a shitty wrestling promo that said nothing they haven't been doing anything with this like they've they've toned down the thing the whole the whole idea has been toned down um and it was stupid to start with and now it's just like any other wrestle like they're just like a wrestling group what's the difference between this and sanity like why does sanity get broke up immediately and they never did anything with them but these guys come in with like the same the gimmick sanity should have had there's no way these guys are going to be considered main eventers. But anyway, well, continue. I didn't see much out of any of the Sanity guys anyways, but Dijakovic, I always thought, has a lot of potential. So, you know. You're telling me you could get more out of Dijakovic than you could out of Eric Young? Oh, 100%. What are you basing that on? Height? Everything. I was never an Eric Young fan. Well, I was never an Eric Young fan either, but that doesn't mean that I can't be objective and realize that that guy's got potential for money like all over him and something. There's something Eric Young could do on any level. If you put him on commentary, there's something he could do. If you put him in the as a as a backstage person, there's something he could do. You could if you just had him as a wrestler or whatever, or to get a gimmick or something or a manager or anything Eric Young could do. What can Dijak do? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Eric Young's not talented. But Dijakovic it sounds me, like you are. No, I just I just never really cared for him as a fan. But Dijakovic to me is, uh, yeah, I think he can do some. Uh, I think he can do some things. He can do a, he can do a moonsault. Is that what he can do? He's got like his in ring stuff. Uh, I think his promos were always like, oh, they could be good. Um, in this group, I think it'll it'll be fine. Um, I, I I think he's got I think he's got a shot here, depending on how they how they book this group. I don't, and I don't think they're going to book him that good either because they're not booking him good. What about how they booked him has been good? Nothing. I like the promo. I thought that was cool. It was mysterious. You're only going to get – you're only going to get um, – when you come in, that's going to be the best and the hardest they'll ever push you, and they've already shit the bed on that, and they're already down to this. They went from, you know, a, a, a throwing firebombs and, and – cutting things with chainsaws to now just doing regular wrestling promos in the back like everybody else. So it's already over. The whole gimmick's over. It's done. It's dead. 
They're just not going to give up on it yet, but it's dead. So. Okay. Time will tell. <sighs> there it is. <laughs> well, time is up because we've been talking at this for quite a while now. And uh, we need to get the hell out of here um, before we turn into an episode of AEW Dark. Uh, so <laughs> let's um, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us. Oh, um, eh. yeah, just real quick. They, they did announce the G1 blocks, if anybody's interested in that. So I'll just run those down real <laughs> quick. Um, A block has Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii. Kazuchika Okada, Shingo Takagi, Yujiro Takahashi, Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, and Jay White. That's A Block. B Block has Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Toru Yano, Yoshihashi, Sanada, Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Zack Sabre Jr., Juice Robinson, and Kenta. So we got a nice stacked G1, which starts September 19th um, with the finals happening on October 18th. So look forward to that. And yep. So that'll that'll do it for that. Um, Social media, you can find me at Opinion Haver everywhere. Sergio, you can be found at. Yeah, Twitter at Mr. Sergezilla and Instagram Sergezilla. There it is. We've been two in and we are now out.